Best Book Bits brings you Nicholas Hutchinson, co-founder of one of the largest Instagram book communities, book thinkers, student of the world, travel lover, podcaster, YouTuber, book reviewer, book influencer, and overall great human being. Nick, thanks for being on the show. Michael, I'm excited to be here. I love the introduction. No, no problem. I know we've connected over the years, but uh, it's great to finally meet you over the web. And uh, whereabouts in the world are you from? I'm in Boston, Massachusetts. That's where I grew up. I've sort of lived all over the planet so far. I consider myself somewhat of a digital nomad for about half of the year, but Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah, perfect. And uh, when did your love affair with books start? Well, I'm 27 years old now, and it started around the age of 20. So I was never a reader throughout middle school, high school. And when I was attending college or university, depending on where you are in the world and listening to this, I was pretty disconnected from the classroom. And I took a sales internship with a software company, a local software company. And one of my sales mentors at the time recommended a couple good books. He said, hey, if you're disconnected from the classroom and you don't feel like you're learning fast enough compared to your real world job experience, try reading some books. You're condensing decades of great information and life lessons into days of application. And then from that day forward, I have been reading a ton of books. So I've been reading for about seven years. Yeah, perfect. And uh, before you started reading books, I read a little bit about your bio and you sort of, you had uh, a little bit angry and maybe a little bit ego driven or something like that I read. So what's the story before you, you, you read books in, in your younger days? Yeah, well, you know what? I grew up in such an amazing household. Um, and because of that, I had a great support system and stuff. But for whatever reason, I was battling with two problems. On one side of the spectrum, I had a lot of insecurities. I had a lot of social anxiety. I cared way too much about what people thought of me. But then on the other side of the spectrum, I had an ego issue. You know, I definitely had a little bit of a temper. I definitely sort of walked tall in certain circles. And those were two pretty bad places to be operating from. So I was filtering my decision-making through either like this scarcity, fear-based anxiety mindset, or this ego, I'm better than everybody else mindset. And there was no balance. It was either one or the other. And so, yeah, I definitely didn't have the healthiest relationships with people or with myself at that period in my life. And I think that uh, personal development books in general or nonfiction, whatever you want to call it, has totally transformed me. And now here I am after that inflection point, I'm focused on impact, I'm focused on gratitude. I'm focused on balance, emotional intelligence. It's a very different place to be operating from. And I'm so thankful that I went through that transition. Yeah, I went through the exact same things at the age of 21. Uh, I started reading books and fell in love with it. And and, and fast forward all the years later, he, here we are. So what? when did you start Book Thinkers and, and what made you start um, sharing books and doing reviews on, on Instagram? Yeah, well, you know what? When I was still at school, I had developed a relationship, a friendship with this guy, Alec, and we were reading a bunch of books together. We were meeting up and uh, and discussing entrepreneurship ideas. And we, I remember we had read Think and Grow Rich and we learned about the mastermind concept that if you get a bunch of smart people in the same room that are focused in the same direction, magical things can happen. Sort of one plus one equals three. And one of the ways that we would talk about entrepreneurship ideas, we would write down problems that we were having in life, little inconveniences, and see if we could come up with a creative solution for them. And so 
I had started posting about these books that I was reading on my personal social media platforms like Snapchat and Facebook and stuff back in the day. And a lot of people were asking repetitive questions. They're asking the same questions over and over and over again. What was the first book you read? Are you read? What books do you recommend for X, Y, and Z situation? And so we came up with the idea, let's just throw this on a website and we could record our biggest takeaways from the books and the books that we were reading. And that's where it all started. It was a little bit of an, of an inconvenience. You know, I went through such a dramatic transition that people wanted to know why it happened and how they could go through a similar transition. So that's how it started. It started actually as a website. And then I got together with a few other friends and we had some big ideas. We wanted to build a social media for book lovers and a bunch of other stuff that didn't end up happening. But what did end up happening was I gained some traction on Instagram. So I was not a face forward Instagrammer at first. Like I was just posting these book reviews and I was totally behind the camera and they were just pictures of books. But over time, I got a little bit more comfortable. The business changed a little bit and, and book thinkers as we know it today was born. So I started getting behind the camera, doing video reviews for books. And that was 2000, you know, 17 is when we all got together. 2018, maybe yeah, late 2018 is when it all started to kind of kick off with Instagram. Yeah. And you're doing a fantastic job. So keep it up. Great quality uh, images with the book stacks. So I really, really enjoy seeing the book stacks. Um, and then from the Instagram page and the website, um, you've grown it out to uh, Book Thinkers Life Changing Books podcast, and you've interviewed some amazing guests. So tell me the segue from Instagram to podcast. Well, we, we started to develop such a large community on Instagram that we were getting the attention of some of my favorite authors. And I thought, what a cool connection that is. You know, if you can provide people value by reposting their content and you have a large following, then they'll take more interest in you naturally. You'll help them accelerate whatever goal they have, whether that's selling books or getting more Instagram followers, selling courses or anything in between. And so we started to develop some of these cool relationships and I would do an Instagram live with somebody every once in a while or we'd collaborate in some strange way. And we were getting a lot of people sending us messages saying, hey, can you help bridge the connection between us, your followers, and some of these cool people that you're interacting with? We'd love to get exposure to those conversations, and we'd love to push you to maybe go out there and get some of our favorite authors on the podcast and talk to them about their books. So that conversation was sort of happening and, and developed over time slowly. And then my business partner, Ryan, we were coming up with fun and creative ways to grow the business. And we both said, let's start a podcast and see who can get bigger guests. We could both use the Book Thinkers brand and Instagram to go out there and source some of our favorite authors and see who we can land. And we both were very successful with it, but I sort of, I found more value, I think, short term in the podcasting than he did. So I stuck with it and that's how the podcast was born. So again, sort of a, a fun and strange story, but yeah, we've had such amazing conversations and we're only a year into the podcast, but it's led to some amazing experiences. Yeah, I'm a big, uh, big fan of the podcast and I think you're up to episode 61, but I know you've interviewed a couple of big names, but uh, a couple of the ones that I'm, I'm really impressed is Grant Cardone and Patrick Bet David. Uh, you recently posted, you were at the studio with Patrick Bet David. What, what's he like in person and, and what's the studio like uh, with, with Patrick? Yeah, Patrick was amazing. Uh, so we went to his studio that was outside of Dallas, Texas, and I think he just moved. He just moved to Florida, but 
Uh, Patrick was amazing. His whole company was fantastic. Uh, I mean, he has something like 10,000 agents in his other business. And so it was attached to a much larger office that he owned, but the Valuetainment office was small, but it was the coolest thing ever. You're walking through and you're seeing these massive structures and statues. And there's like a wall of fame. He calls it the road to 1 million, I think, where he's interviewed presidents and movie stars and everything like that. And his office was so cool. He's got a, a crazy read bookshelves and everything like that. Um, Patrick was very genuine. So we spent some time just sitting there chatting before the podcast interview. He talked to us a lot about book thinkers and how he got started. We filmed the episode in person, which was great. And then afterwards, we just hung out maybe for another half an hour. And we talked through uh, sort of, you know, the, the steps to success and building a roadmap for book thinkers. And he answered a ton of personal questions for us about the business. And yeah, it developed a pretty cool relationship. And uh, I'm very happy that I had the opportunity to go hang out with him. And, and you mentioned Grant as well. The first episode that I did with Grant was done on Zoom. But then the second episode that I did with Grant was in Miami at his offices. And that was another larger than life experience to be in person with somebody that brings such high energy and has developed such a large following. But to get their attention, 100% of their attention for an hour or two, uh, it, it just, you know, it makes you feel really nice walking out of the building for both of those yeah. guys. Yeah, absolutely. And you're doing a great job there. But I, I think one of the biggest things that you're doing for the community is actually up and coming authors that want to promote their books alongside some of the heavyweight books as well. And I get a lot of joy doing that as well and interviewing people that might not have household names like the Patrick Beck David of Valuetainment and, and Grant Cardone. Um, tell me about the journey of, of working with up and coming authors. Yeah, we love it. And we do it in a lot of different ways. I mean, the podcast is one great outlet for that, but the Instagram page helps us introduce new books and new authors to, you know, 100,000 people a week. And that's been special for us. I mean, every single time an author puts a pen to paper or their fingers on a keyboard, they're trying to positively impact the world. And a lot of authors underestimate, uh, they underestimate the fact that there are a million books released every year. And it's very difficult to differentiate yourself, to sell your books. Um, they'll, they'll put their book out, it's magic, it has something special, but then they have no audience. And so BookThinkers does provide an outlet for authors to do that in a lot of different ways. And we love connecting with some of these amazing people. And I'll read a book uh, because an author sent us a DM and had a great pitch and really cares about a mission. And that book will change my life. And that's something that I wouldn't have picked up if I didn't have the community because they're not best-selling books and you don't want to miss those. So I would encourage people to check out some of the smaller name authors as well. First-time authors, uh, people can bring a lot of wisdom to you in different ways. Yeah, and you never know who's going to be sort of the next Robert Greene or the next big author in the scene and it's it's yeah. sort of it's quite nice to get them early and, and see, see them grow as well. But you've done the Instagram, you've done the YouTube, and then you've turned this into BookThinkers Family. What is BookThinkers Family? Well, you know what? I was reading a book called Your One Word by Evan Carmichael. And the relationship with Evan Carmichael, he's a YouTuber. The relationship with Evan started because at less than 10,000 followers – I, uh, you have some of his books. Yeah. Yeah. At, at less than 10,000 followers, I got an inbound DM one day from this guy, Evan Carmichael verified and it clicked on it and it was a video. So I opened up the video and it said, Hey, book thinkers, my name's Evan. I love what you guys have going on. I've written a couple of books. I'd love to send them to you. And I thought, well, this is cool. 
This is my first verified inbound sort of star attention. And so I said, yeah, send me a book. And it was your one word. And I was reading through the book and it talked about unifying your audience and creating raving fans or something like that. And I thought, wow, I've got to unify my audience with a name. I've got to find a one term that my audience can identify as, sort of like Justin Bieber has the believers or whatever, believers. And uh, I thought, this is super cool. So I put out a poll actually on Instagram. And again, I didn't have that many followers, but I had some raving fans, people who showed up every day to watch my videos or like my content. And I said, what would you like to be called? And I tossed out some suggestions, but I also left it open for other suggestions as well. And Bookthinker's family popped up a lot. People said, we love feeling like we're part of a family, Bookthinker's family, Bookthinker's family. And so that's naturally what I did. And so we, I started addressing the audience as Bookthinker's family. And I think, I think it um, brought in more people than it pushed out. You know, there are some people who are like, oh, this is a little cheesy. I don't really want to be part of a community that that is uh, a family or anything like that. I just want book recommendations. But for those that have stuck around for the last couple of years, I think it's turned into something special. And people who feel like they're part of a community are more likely to jump over to other platforms as you make transitions or support you as you launch different business units. So it's been very helpful. Yeah, perfect. And I know you spoke about Ryan, your business partner, but who is Rachel Elizabeth? Yeah, so Rachel is actually my girlfriend. Um, And... As our relationship was was really solidifying, she wanted to get more involved in the business. And so we thought about, well, there were two things happening at the time. One, she wanted to get a little bit more involved in the business and see what I was spending so much time on. She was reading books, a lot of the books that I was recommending, but a lot of her own books as well. She was focused more on female authors. And then I one day I was just curious and I said, let me look at every bookstagram. Bookstagram is just a term Uh, for people who run book review pages on Instagram. I said, let me run a little spreadsheet and measure the biggest bookstagram pages in the nonfiction space and see if I can notice any trends or anything that maybe I should be doing. And so I just jotted down some notes on maybe the top 50. And I looked at everybody that had tens of thousands of followers down to a lot of accounts that had less than a thousand followers, everything in between. But I noticed there were zero pages dedicated specifically in nonfiction to female authors and female energy. And I thought that was missing. And a lot of the books that she was reading at the time were female focused. And so I said, why don't we create an extension of the brand like bookthinkers.her or bookthinkers.female something. And then I don't know who said it, but somebody said bookthinkers. And I said, oh, that sounds pretty cool. Let's start Book Think Hers. So that's how it started. It was an opportunity for Rachel to get involved in the business. And uh, although I think that she needs to get a little bit more active on the page, she's stopped posting for the last couple of weeks or months or something. But um, yeah, it's it's been really cool. And it's a diversification of our brand. And it gives her the opportunity to get involved and feel good about it. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, fan- fantastic. And I do like the the book thing, book thinkers family, and uh, talk to me about your clothing line with the t-shirts. Yeah, I should have put one on for today's conversation, but I wasn't thinking that far in advance this morning when I woke up. Um, yeah, again, just another opportunity to diversify the uh, diversify our business units and our income. Something to play around with. You know, Ryan had a lot of interest. My business partner in e-commerce at the time, so he went through some courses and set up an e-commerce store for us. And it's been great to see the support from the community, people who have purchased T-shirts 
We put a lot of different things out there. I like to call t-shirts play bigger triggers. They are something that you can put on that makes you feel like Superman. It's like wearing a, a cape or something like that. And I'm actually, the shirt I'm wearing right now is from the book Black Sheep by Brant Mensoir. But um, yeah, so the, the e-commerce has been great. And BookThinkers as a brand, you know, not every business unit has been very successful. That's one of them. So e-commerce hasn't done super well, but we're putting more energy into it right now. And we're going to revamp this store. We're going to get something out there that's pretty special. So we're going to do t-shirts and coffee and mugs and we're putting out some books, so it'll be a it'll be a very diverse store for book la- uh, book lovers. Maybe candles, some other bookends, stuff like that. Yeah, perfect. I'm actually working on my own uh, uh, socks line at the moment, so Love reading it. socks. So every time you put the socks on, they're called my reading socks. So it's just a trigger to to read. But um, you said something about releasing a book. Can you touch on a little bit about that? You're you're writing your your first book. Is that correct? It is. Yeah. So book thinkers all of a sudden went from no books to a lot of books. We're in the process of putting together a bunch of different books. I'm writing one personally outside of the business published as Nicholas Hutchison. And that's going to be, I like to say, it's the intersection between Atomic Habits and Tools of Titans. So two really big books. I'd like to be somewhere right in the middle. I want to talk about real behavior change. You know, I like to say that if you read a good personal development book, but you don't take any of it with you, you don't change your behavior. There's no difference between reading a good book and playing a video game. They're just forms of entertainment. And so driving real behavior change and implementing as much as you possibly can and being a human guinea pig, testing things out, that's what the focus of the book is going to be. The idea is that it should complement every other book that you read. It should get you more out of the books you're reading. And it'll also include over 100 of my favorite implementations, things that I've implemented from the 400 plus books that I've read that you should implement today too. And it'll serve sort of as an introduction to personal development, but it'll also serve as an opportunity to skip ahead, jump the line. You know, I've read 400 books, here are my favorite 100 takeaways. So that's the book that I'm working on. And then Book Thinkers as a Business has a few projects going on. The one that I'll mention today, we're putting together a book with author Greg Reed. He wrote Three Feet from Gold. So it's Greg Reed and Book Thinkers as a Business is the second author. And that book is titled Talk to Everyone. And it's on the importance of human communication and networking, empathy, active listening. And we're sort of aiming that for uh, the younger generation because Geez, today's the first time in human history that you can grow up and go through your middle school, high school, and college years without ever asking yourself, who am I? What do I want in life? You just get caught so much in the whirlwind and social media and distractions. We want to slow things down and get back to the basics a little bit with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I've I've heard you talk about your morning routine and what meditation has done to you. Can you give us a little tips on your morning routine and what meditation has done for your life? Yeah, people might think I'm a little bit crazy, but hear me out here. So my morning routine, I think it has 15 steps right now. And every one of those steps has a very important place for me. The basis of the morning routine comes from Hal Elrod's framework, Savers. And the Miracle Morning book changed my life. I mean, it really did. It it taught me the importance of a morning routine. And if you can control the morning and you can control the evening, if you can bookend your days to tie it back to books, then you have a much better chance at what's 
in between. You have a much better chance at controlling the meat of your day. And so the morning routine has been great for me. And it has, yeah, it has a few different mindfulness or meditation related items in it, some breath work, some yoga, things like that. But meditation itself has been very important for me. I mentioned the transition at the beginning of today's episode from insecure and full of ego to focused on impact and fulfillment and sort of stable. And that, I think the biggest trigger for me or the biggest bridge has been meditation. Just sitting down, it doesn't matter what form of meditation. I've tried 10, 15, 20 different forms of meditation. I've done sensory deprivation float tanks. I've done um, longer two, three, four hour meditation stuff. But to me, if I just sit down for a couple of minutes and I close my eyes and I focus on my breath, the return to breath, then I'm, I'm much better off for it. And so it improved my emotional intelligence. It increased the time between the input into my brain and my reaction. And that's been really cool for me. So something that used to trigger me, now I can kind of think about it before I react. And that just comes from closing my eyes and stopping and focusing on stillness. Right now I use a device. I was going to see if I could grab it for anybody that watches on video, but I was uh, I use the Muse meditation device. And it gives you real-time feedback while you're meditating. It's been super cool. Uh, it reads your brain waves and it has other sensory points like um, heart rate and stuff like that. And so if, you, if your mind starts to wander, it'll warn you and you can get back to your breath. And that's like technology plus meditation married together has created this really cool thing for me. So I like to use that every single day as part of my morning routine plus a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, great. And I'm a big believer on routines, especially morning routines. But another thing in life is getting out of routine and, and traveling. Yeah. Um, talk to me about your traveling experiences recently. I know you've visited a couple of places. Where have you gone? Yeah, over the last couple of years, I've fallen in love with international travel. So I spent a lot of time in my early 20s traveling domestically here in the United States. So I got to visit 35 or 40 of the U.S. states out of the 50. And after that, I, I had a friend who did some solo travel and he came back and he told me about how amazing it was. So I went on my first solo travel trip by myself to Argentina back in, geez, 2019 now. And I spent six weeks in Buenos Aires, uh, which was such an amazing experience. I met so many cool people. I was able to grow and personally develop so much faster when I was embracing discomfort on a daily basis, maybe even 10, 15 times a day, it was so uncomfortable. I didn't speak Spanish. I didn't know anybody in South America, but I became addicted to that experience because again, it gave me the platform to grow from. And over the last few years, I've, I've traveled to a bunch of different countries and I've been, I've been fortunate enough where I work remotely. So I've been able to stay anywhere from a week up to three months in, a different, you know, in different countries all around the planet. So this year alone, I did three months in Colombia, South America again. So Medellin, Colombia, people think of Pablo Escobar, but uh, it's such a beautiful country, such a beautiful city. It has so much to offer. I'm in the process of learning Spanish. Estoy aprendiendo español. And I love it. Yeah, I love it. And being in the U.S., it's so easy to get down to South America and Central America. Um, and I've got more travel plans. I mean, that's really my, my second passion outside of books. So I will be traveling a lot next year and I'll be going through Europe and a lot of South America. I can't wait for it. Well, when you come to Australia and Melbourne, I'll, I'll be your tour guide and, and give you a little tour around. Maybe uh, you can come on stage and, and speak at one of my seminars that we're going to run in the future. 
I would love that. Yeah, it's definitely on my list and I would love to visit. Yeah, perfect. And I know Ryan's sort of building a school in Cambodia. Is that right? With Book Thinkers? Yeah, he is. So I uh, I don't know all the details on it, but Ryan put out a book, another book I probably should have mentioned called Ignite Possibilities. And it's a collaboration style book. So he contributed one chapter. I think there are 20 something chapters to the book and that whole group together, um, they went out and they said every single download of this book, this free ebook, we're going to put a brick um, towards a house in Cambodia. And so I, I don't actually know what the timeline is for that, but I love you know, I love supporting Ryan and in, in his big missions inside of Book Thinkers. You know, he's very focused on low cost education, worldwide access to education materials. And that's something that Book Thinkers will continue to get more involved in. So building a house in Cambodia, I mean, when I was sitting down as a university student thinking of business ideas, that never crossed my mind. But we're getting more focused on impact and world change. So you'll see a lot more things like that coming soon. Yeah, yeah, perfect. And I think you've got a app as well, which is the Book Thinkers Smart Retention Mobile app. Um, tell us a little bit about that. So we've we've taken two attempts so far at automating the retention process from books. So very similar to what I was saying before, if you read a good book but you don't change your behavior, it's just a form of entertainment. We want to create real behavior change. One of the best ways to do that. You know, our business mentor, Kevin Horsley, always says, what you hold in your mind, you can hold in your hand. So if you don't hold it in your mind and it goes in one ear and out the other one, well, then there's an opportunity cost to that. You're missing out on closing the gap between who you are and who you're capable of becoming. How do you retain more information from books? Repetition leads to retention. You've got to review that information systematically. So we developed a system where you can input the biggest takeaways from the books that you're reading, and then it will systematically remind you using this theory called the forgetting curve. It'll hit you with that information right before you're going to forget it. It'll strengthen your connection to it. And over time, you'll be able to implement and retain more information from the books that you're reading. So even the app that we have out there right now kind of failed to meet, it it fails to meet product market fit. You know, there aren't enough people who use it and say, wow, this is game changing. So we're in the process of going through a third iteration that's actually being worked on right now and kind of slotted for the end of summer. Um, So it's a lot of things to us. It's an opportunity to improve the world. It's an opportunity uh, for creativity. And it's an opportunity for book thinkers to continue to network as an educational technology company as well, which has been really cool to do. So yeah, I really hope that we get this third iteration right. It's going to be a little bit more social than it was this past time and uh, kind of set the world on fire with it and create real behavior change. I like to call it the reading revolution, like changing reading from a form of entertainment to a form of real behavior change in life. Yeah, awesome. And I'm actually going to put you to the test with your retention on books. So you've got Nick's top 10 uh most impactful books uh, with number one, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Give me a quote or something you remember from the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, I have a hundred of them in my brain because I've read the book so many times. But I love that when I read the book, I had a lot of financial insecurity. You know, Robert says in the book that money as a subject is not taught in school. It's taught at home. So just by attending school, you're not put on a level playing field. You're really just absorbing the money habits from your parents. So I think the subtitle of the book is something like uh, what the poor or no, what the rich teach their kids that the poor and middle class do not or something like that. 
And you learn so many about so many tips and tricks and strategies that rich parents are teaching their kids that poor and middle-class parents are not. So if you grow up with a poor or middle-class mindset, well, you're going to have a poor middle-class income or a relationship with money. But if you grow up with a rich mindset, that's where the gold's at. And so how can you learn from people like that if you didn't grow up in a house? Well, you've got to read their books. Robert Kiyosaki is rich. And if you read Robert Kiyosaki's books, you have a better chance at adopting a rich person's mindset and learning the importance of financial literacy. So I love that book. I mean, it's had such a big impact on my life. It's actually the first book that I ever read. Yeah, no, perfect. And number two, The uh, Four-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. What's your number one takeaway from that book? Uh, my favorite quote and takeaway is reality is negotiable. And so Tim talks about society with all of its norms, you know, working a nine to five job, going through the traditional education system, building your retirement fund and retiring at 65. Like, And he says, no, toss it out the window. Design a life that fulfills you. Reality is entirely negotiable. It's malleable. You can create whatever you want out of it. And for me, that unlocked something. It was like a key got twisted. My brain opened up and I was like, whoa, I can create whatever type of life actually fulfills me, not society's expectations. So that quote has been really important for me. Reality is negotiable. Yeah, perfect. And number three, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. What's your one takeaway from that? That small steps in the right direction over a very long period of time will lead to disproportionately positive outcomes. So that's a paraphrase. It's probably not a direct quote, but there are so many metaphors in that book that make so much sense to me. Uh, Darren says in the book that if a plane is departing in the U.S. Uh, from L.A. and it's headed to New York City, but the nose of the plane is off by just 1% when it takes off, as that 1% compounds over time, you end up about 150 miles off course from your destination. So when I went through that metaphor in the book, I thought, what areas of my life can I apply that to in a positive way? What areas of my health or my relationships can I improve by 1% so that as they compound over the next 10 or 20 years, I'm a better person because of it. Yeah, awesome. I won't go through the rest, uh, but you've got the Go-Giver, Vagabonding, the Daily Stoic, Steve Jobs Bio, The Alchemist, Man's Search for Meeting, and Built to Surf by Evan Carmichael. So many amazing books. Yeah, no, you've done uh, you've done a fantastic job. So what's next for you sort of in the next five years? Where, where are we going to see uh, Book Thinkers Family at and, and yourself, Nick? It's a great question. Uh, we are sort of at opportunity overload, which is such a blessing, but it's a really big problem for us right now. So uh, Ryan and I are running a million miles an hour in a lot of different directions, and we're still waiting to see what 20% of our activity will lead to 80% of the results. And so far, it's been these masterminds that we're putting on behind the scenes in order to create these books, like the one that we're doing with Greg Reed. Um, really special projects. And, and I'm rereading Perennial Seller right now by Ryan Holiday. And I'm really in this mindset that I've got to create uh, leverage that can be replicated over time, uh, that will exist really forever and give me opportunities to make money and make an impact without physically being there. So I think we'll put out a lot of books over the next five years. I think you'll see us continue to work on the podcast and do a lot more in-person experiences. 
I think you'll continue to see the mobile app get refined and create more real value for people. And then I think through social media, we'll continue to optimize for whatever's next. I mean, Instagram and and YouTube are such creative places, but they're also scary because they're changing so frequently. And it's a great place to be if you're ahead of the curve, but it gets a little bit tough sometimes. So we'll continue to iterate and change up social media too. But at the end of the day, our mission is just to spread the positive power of personal development books to as many people as possible. And so as, as long as we can continue to do that, I know that I'll be fulfilled on a daily basis. Yeah, perfect. And do you have any tips for myself or anyone out there to grow their Instagram? Um, I know I need as much help as possible. Yeah, there's a strategy that that you can read about online called the Gary V Dollar Eighty strategy, and that's what took book thinkers from zero to whatever it's at today. Uh, we haven't been doing it as much recently because eventually you kind of hit that tipping point where social media helps to compound by itself. But to get off the ground and and to gain momentum, if you're feeling stagnant. The $1.80 strategy is the best one out there. It would take me too much time to explain, but just Google it. Uh, Gary's got videos on it as well. And then the second recommendation is to borrow credibility. You know, that's another reason we started the podcast. We wanted to show our audience that we're credible book reviewers. We're hanging out with Grant Cardone and Patrick Bet David. They're teaching us in person, and then we want to teach you. And so by standing on the shoulders of giants, I suppose, to use that metaphor, Um, It'll help grow your social media a little bit faster too. So go out there, provide value, network, ask. You never know. Like with Grant Cardone, he seems impossible to reach. And then it just takes a couple conversations and then you have it. So go out there, shoot your shot, try, borrow some credibility. It'll help grow your socials. Yeah, perfect. And you've actually inspired me to start my podcast as well. I've done 700 book summaries on video, written, audio format. And I thought, what better way to... uh, give the audience as much value as possible instead of giving book summaries, actually get them involved with the author and actually learn from the horse's mouth, so to speak. So I uh, appreciate you sort of being a front runner and doing the book pod- book podcast as well as sort of doing book reviews as well. Quick question. I love your uh, little IGT videos opening up people's books they sent to you. How many books do you get sent on a monthly basis? Uh, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at my pile for this week and there's probably – 10 books there. And that happens. Yeah. I mean, we try to do four per month. So I would say anywhere between 20 and 50 books on a monthly basis. A lot of those are automated relationships with publishers. So publishers just have us on a, you know, I didn't sign up for these either. I'm just on a distribution list. Like some publisher got my address and then they just send the new releases. So that's kind of how it works these days. And then whenever a small author wants to send us a book, not small, but any author wants to send us a book, we will always do a free unboxing video. So send us your book. We'll open it up. We just, you know, thousands of people tune in just to discover new books and new mentors that they can use to achieve more and live better. And uh, I know that I've had yours as well. So I'm happy yeah, to share just, that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Uh, no, I think it's fun. It's it's great to do an unboxing video and, uh, you know, you're not doing watches or expensive stuff. You're actually doing books. You're doing information. Then, you know, someone's put a lot of time and energy and effort to write the book, get it out there. So I, th- I think what you're doing is fantastic. Um You've mentioned before in the past Toastmasters. What's your experience with Toastmasters, public speaking, and and improving on your communication? Oh, it's been so valuable for me. I, I mentioned earlier in the conversation too that I used to struggle with a lot of social anxiety. I was a very poor communicator. Not only did my language have a lot of verbal pauses, ums, ahs, likes, buts, I had that typical 
U.S. accent where, ah, oh, it's like this, it's like that, that you kind of hear all the time. Um, but I just had a lot of fear and anxiety around the process of speaking to other people, which created a lot of stumbling blocks and it made it very difficult for me to effectively communicate. So anyway, I've done a lot of things to help improve my communication skills. One of them is Toastmasters. And so I love the structure of Toastmasters. I love the intimacy of Toastmasters. The club that I went to had maybe 15, 20 people on a weekly basis. So it was a great stepping stone to go from speaking just to my camera to speaking in front of other people. You know, now I've been on stages and at conferences in front of more people than that, but Toastmasters was a great stepping stone for me. And the people there were amazing. The whole organization is built to, to help you succeed. So I'd highly recommend that for anybody that's struggling with social anxiety or looking to improve their public speaking skills. Yeah, the reason I bring it up, I've actually done it myself in Australia and it's uh, it's a fantastic little organization. Now, before we wrap up, I want to ask you sort of a, a strange little question. If you were to host a dinner party with three people, uh, could be people from the past or from the present, who would they be and what would you serve them? Ooh, the what would you serve them part might take me a minute, but who would they be? Number one would be Tim Ferriss. I owe that guy a lot. Tim Ferriss has taught me that, like I said earlier, reality is negotiable. And if there's one person that I want to be more like, it's Tim. You know, he had a successful business. He automated most of it. He sold it. He invested wisely, made a bunch of money. And now he's focused on impact with this podcast and creativity. And it's a very relaxed lifestyle. Oftentimes he'll joke that his guests get stressed out at how much time he takes to set up and prepare and he'll walk around and eat. And it's just, a he just lives a great lifestyle. There's no stress or pressure for him. And he, you know, he traveled the world for a long time. That's also part of my travel inspiration. So he would be a dinner guest, not so much that I could learn from him because I study him so much. I already kind of know a lot of what he's talking about, but more that I could thank him and just say, thank you, Tim, for all that you've done for me, man. I would also love to have, oh, after that, there's a big drop off for me. So there's a million people after that, that I want to sit down with. I think I would pick Steve Jobs, which might sound a little bit cliche for people, but the Steve Jobs, Walter Isaacson biography helped me so much. I've gone through it a few times now. I'm fascinated by his journey. I think the whole garage startup to billion dollar, now trillion dollar tech company is such an interesting journey. And there are so many decisions and sacrifices that need to be made. I'd love to ask him about that stereotype that Steve Jobs is a mean guy and all this nastiness. Where did it come from and why did he use it? Was it intentional or was it a byproduct of other things that happened when he was younger? And then the last person that I would have would probably be, hmm, I really like this rapper. He's an, he's a, he's a US rapper, his name is NF. And he raps about some personal development stuff. He's very clean. He doesn't swear. He doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. It's very clean and it's very articulate. And I'd love to pick his brain. I've taken a couple shots at reaching out to him before, but I haven't been able to get in touch. So to, to be able to sit down with those three very different types of people would be really cool. And what would I serve them? My favorite meal, which is going to sound a little bit boring, but I love chicken and rice. I love just frying up a bunch of chicken and I love throwing some rice and some cool spices in there. And that's what they'd have to eat. It's the most boring meal on the planet for most people. But for me, I think it would spark some fun conversation. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's perfect. Tim Ferriss, 
Steve Jobs and NF the rapper. I've never heard of him, but I'll definitely check him out. And uh, apart from Instagram, where where can people find you online? Where where can we get to know you more and and learn more about Nick? Just bookthinkers.com, www.bookthinkers.com. That has some good resources. It's in the process of being updated, but it'll link to some of our other stuff, including the podcast. And and then you said other than Instagram, but Instagram is our biggest platform. And so I'm very responsive there. I love to encourage people to send us a message, a DM. It might take me a couple of days to respond sometimes depending on my workload, but I love providing impact on a daily basis through answering people's questions. So you can always yeah. reach out on Instagram and, and, uh, yeah, that's it. That Those are really the only two places right now. Yeah, perfect. And what's the last message you want to leave my audience? I'm going to go back to it for a third time. Reality is negotiable and that any sort of lifestyle that you want to design is completely within your capability. And there's a good book to solve almost any problem that you're facing. You know, a lot of us think that what we're dealing with is very individual to us, but humans have been experiencing the same issues for the last couple of thousand years. So Read a book about that problem, apply it to your life, and things will get better, I promise. Yeah, perfect. Nick, you're, you're a gentleman. So ladies and gentlemen, Nick from Book Thinkers, thank you for being on the Best Book Bits podcast and look forward to uh, many, many more good things coming from you and your uh, Book Thinkers family and team in the future. So thanks for being on the podcast. Have a great day and speak to you soon. Yeah, thank you, Michael. No worries. Okay, bye.